You're listening to the Living Philosophy Podcast with Jeremy and Zach, where we explore all aspects of health, the pursuit of passion, and realizing excellence. Hello, and welcome to episode five of the Living Philosophy Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jeremy, and I'm speaking with my other host, Zach. Zach, mate, how are you? Very well, thank you for asking, mate. How are you? Good, good. Um, I'm excited for today's topic, actually. It's going to be, I think, very, very beneficial for our listeners and beneficial for us as well to remind ourselves on the benefits of coaching for both the coach and the recipient. Um, But before all that, mate, talk to me about yourself. How has your week been? Yeah, really good. Flat out busy. Um, It's definitely been the busiest period that I've had so far in both of my businesses, which have been amazing. A lot of event, events happening, um, a lot of working on the business, progressing things forward, just you know, make, trying to find those those little hacks and shortcuts just to fast-track things, which comes down to you know, consistently reviewing your goals, making sure that what you're doing is working and then what's not working, just testing that and tweaking it, um, constantly pivoting and moving forward. Having said that, I've also got my second event coming up on Tuesday, um, Tuesday night, uh, 6.30 p.m., which is going to be all about nutrition, breaking it down for people, giving them some practical information they can go ahead and use, and also bringing along the uh, wonderful Gemma Daly from Daily Fuel to add some value to everyone. So, exciting times. Beautiful. What about yourself? What's been happening? Good. It's been been good. Um, I've been doing a lot more reading. And I've listening noticed. To audio, yeah, listening to audiobooks and... Prolific. Yeah, just you know, trying to learn as much as I possibly can um, before uni starts up again next week. What What are you focusing on in particular? Like, is there a certain sort of thing you want to learn specifically, or? Yes. So over the past week or so, probably past two or three weeks, I've been really um, digging into the theory behind generating wealth and things like you know income allocation and you know long-term investing short-term investing that kind of stuff so um yep. i listened on audible to two two audio files all the way through one was brian tracy's the science of money that was excellent learned a lot about microeconomics you know just about spending habits and wealth in general and another one is secrets of the millionaire mind which was again t harvey ecker mate only Exactly right. Only three hours long, but I think it was a very, very in, in, mm. insightful listen. Yeah, I've, I've heard only fantastic reviews on that, so I'm keen to get into that one myself. So what, what got you inspired to jump into learning more about uh, how money works, wealth building, strategies, all that? Like what, what changed? What, where was the inspiration for that to, to, to dive into it? That's a good question. Honestly, for me right now, it's about wanting to move out of my um, parents' house. Oh, good. So you didn't, you didn't look at your bank account and go, oh, shit, where's my money? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I, wear, I know where all my um, money is. Oh, Don't good. you worry about that. <laughs> Robert, Robert Kiyosaki wrote a book, and it's like the title is, Who Took My Money? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I haven't read it yet, but it look, looks interesting. Yeah, it sounds interesting. Yeah. Thank goodness I'm not at that position. No. Um, yeah, it's just... Um, Money is a thing, wealth is a thing which we can have and which we can learn about. So I figured now is as good a time as any to really 
knuckle down and learn about that kind of stuff. So yeah, it's been mm. pretty good. I've transformed my mind and my habits quite drastically over the past few weeks. So it's been good. And yeah, I'll, yeah know, that's I'll, the key. Like you said, you said habits and that's really, especially when it comes to, you know, like uh, saving money or money goals or whatever, it's purely habit-based I find. Um, well, setting the goal and intention first and then applying those disciplines and habits, um, which I tend to find quite easy because I find money so black and white. Like it comes in, it goes out. It's very easy to keep accountable with it. Very easy to set parameters and percentages on what you want to save, what you want to spend or, um, you know, calculating what you can afford, what you can't afford. But it's amazing how many people um, haven't developed those skills or the knowledge around to, to manage that money. But this, this podcast is not going to be about money, guys, just so you know. just going on a bit of a tangent here. Yeah, but um, it is relevant yes, because of course. I had to get coaching for that money, uh-huh. learning about that. So the audio yeah. books is my version right now of being coached, being mentored by these great people about how to generate yes. that. So, so what is this episode? Coaching. So this episode is going to be all about two things. Number one, the benefits of coaching for the recipients of coaching, the, the clients, or the coachee, and also the benefits of the coach themselves, and why I think that many, if not every single person, should strive to become a coach in whatever it is that they are doing. Because we can always teach someone else what they don't know and what we do know. And as you were saying before, we only need to be one step ahead of someone um, to be able to influence them in a positive way, provided that we understand why we are that one step ahead. Um, and I think that coaching really is one of the highest forms of mastery in terms of anything that we're doing because if we're able to do a thing or teach someone how to do a thing well, then it, you have to have a, a very high and nuanced level of understanding on that topic. And in order for me to become the best in my field, if I am not coaching, then I'm not, to me, it's an indicator that I'm not really pushing myself hard enough to become good enough to then be worthy of teaching someone else. So that to me is what this episode is all about. Mm, 100%. So now, so for, to, to clear it up for people, how, how would we differentiate a coach versus a mentor versus a teacher slash preacher how do we differentiate all those I mean I know but let's let's talk about it yeah well tell me what your perspective on that is first sure so I, I see a coach um, sorry for that airplane in the background guys I'm not at the airport but I wish I was I'm just gonna close the door okay broke something that's cool um, so coaching for me, it's pretty simple. I, I, I literally, the, the best example that I can use for a coach is just like a coach uh, in sport. Um, that's typically the first time we come, ac- come across a coach in some kind of sport or something during school time or whatever. And how I see a coach, or the role of a coach is really to, um, an, an effective coach should be not only highlighting what is working for the person who is being coached, but keeping them in the game as as long as they possibly can, performing at their best. And um, when they're not on the field, obviously, you know, working on 
what it is that's going to allow them to perform better. So if you imagine a football coach, what they would do is obviously observe the game and they see a lot of things that the players don't see on the field. That gives them information that they can use to then guide the players better in their in their um, in the game and keep them on the game for long, keep them in the game for longer and performing at, at max max performance. Because as, as you can imagine, if you're on the field, you can really only see what's in front of you in your peripheral vision, plus some audio um, that's coming from other people on the team, from words being spoken and you know uh, trainers shouting or whatever else. So. There is a lot of information that you're not picking up. And if we relate this back to life, if you're busy in life and your business and your pursuit of whatever it is you're going after, typically we only see what's right in front of us unless we have that deep, <clears throat> deep level of discipline and self-awareness to take a step back and look at everything from a bird's eye view. Um, a lot of the times we get stuck because we're going <laughs> so hard, just like if you're driving a four-wheel drive on the beach and you pump it up the sand hill, you're so focused on getting to this what's right in front of you that we get bogged down and we get stuck and sometimes takes um, someone else to come in and look at the situation like okay well you know you've, you've been running in this direction and you missed out on all these opportunities here or you know could you could you do this a better way um, and then offer suggestions or help you find the answers so to sum all that up a coach is really someone who I feel observes um, someone doing something finds the blind spots, brings information to the surface, but more so in a way that allows the person being coached to find their own answers. So if we had someone up in one sentence, a coach helps somebody um, you know, find a new perspective or answers through themselves uh, versus a mentor who is someone who I feel really can just give really valuable information if they're a good mentor um, based on their experience and what they know and sort of trust that that person understands what they're saying and that person's going to use the information responsibly. Um, a teacher or a preacher, I would say, would probably be... Um, uh, I don't want to say lower because it's not lower. It's just a different format. More on the mentoring side, teaching. Um, but I feel like a teaching is more of like a have-to sort of role, like someone who goes to be taught something obviously wants to learn, or if even like in school, if we don't want to learn um, something, we still have to sit there and be taught, and there can be a bit more of a disconnect between the, the person being taught and the person teaching. Um, I'm not a teacher, so that give, give me your perspective on teaching. I sort of focus a lot on coaching and mentoring, but yep. I was pretty crap in school. I didn't really care what was going on in the classroom. I didn't pay too much attention, yep. and I felt like I had a lot of teachers, um, you know, a long time ago when I was in high school, who... We're, we're nowhere near as passionate as the people that I now seek knowledge and advice from. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have a very similar experience to you. I was a more often than not a terrible student mm. in that I'd get into trouble very, very frequently, <clears throat> um, mostly of my own doing because I would just act like a little crap during class, you know, talk back to talk back, you know, yeah, it's us. Oh, dude. Yeah, that was, was bad. <laughs> it was good. It was fun times. I learned a lot. Definitely. The, you, you learn how to, um, in a way, stand up for yourself and be assertive in that process. Probably come from the wrong place, you know, like yeah. just doing it against authority for the sake of it. But, it's a bit, you know, of, you a bit out of context and a bit impractical, but you do it anyway. And you learn. Exactly right. And I, I find that 
the teachers who I respected the most were, were the ones who made it made the knowledge very simple and very relevant for us. And they display a high level of passion, interest in the topic themselves. Um, so whether I would, I guess, categorize these three areas where a teacher is someone who is not necessarily going to be with you in, in the trenches when you go about doing whatever you're doing. So when I, during... Um, high school or whatever, you know, like when you, if you aren't doing the work to study, right, the teacher's not going to be there with you, you know, saying, cool, let's try and workshop this until you get it right because they have so many other people to teach as well. Teachers, I think, mostly a teacher is a person who is there to convey information to a large degree. That's what an, an educator's role is as well. Um, a mentor is someone who is not qualified as a teacher or a coach, so they haven't done any formal education in learning how to convey their ideas to the, to the person. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, but they are someone who understands the topic well enough yep. through their own experience or through their reading or their education or whatever, right, to convey enough for someone else to guide them on a good path. So, for example, um, let's say you have a, I'm going to go with um, Michael Jordan as an example, right? So, I can go to him as a basketball player to be my mentor, right? I'm going to be the best that ever lived, um, and I'm going to get a lot of crap to say in that, but I would argue that his standards is debatable. Um, and thing is, people who are, who are naturally very talented at what they do, tend to be very crap coaches because they don't know every single step that it takes to become good at something, right? They may understand it in an intuitive, non-reflective way because they just, they just do it, right? Yeah, they just naturally do it. It's like a habit for them, yeah. It just to think about it. More than a habit. It's like, yeah. it's like they have to work hard to not do that, Yes. right? It's like an, an instinct for them to perform that kind of thing well. It's a, it's a talent. And they'd be good as a mentor because you can learn through their example very well. And that's what a mentor really is. It's I, I do this and I know this much about what I do. So I do this at 100%. I know, let's say, 40% of why it works. And I'm going to pass this on to you. Where a coach is someone who may or may not be at that top level in their fields, but they know everything that there is about what the top people do well. So they have, to me, a good coach is more powerful than a, than a good mentor because a good coach is someone, depending on the, the, on the recipient's learning style or on, on the recipient's way of um, taking in the information, if they learn better through um, having the mentor as, as a guide or having the coach as someone to tell them stuff and work out the precise process. So yeah, that's, that's to me how I would um, di differentiate these two and it's very important to understand yeah. this. The, the main thing for me that stood out from what you were just saying was the fact that um, yeah, it's even the best in their field are not necessarily the best coaches um, and it's really that the difference between someone who knows how to deliver 
the steps to someone or, or enable someone to understand the, the next step or the process in which they need to go through to, to achieve a certain um, result. Having said that, like that you made that distinction, so a coach doesn't need to be the best in the world to be the best coach in their field, nor do they need to be the best coach in their field. They can just be a coach at any level. So we're talking about this before in terms of levels of coaching and what would what qualifies anyone to even adopt a coaching role, whether that doesn't have to be formally, it can be informal or unofficial, but I feel like all of us at some point in some area of life or some field um, can uh, you know, act as a coach and I feel like a lot of people are in a position to do that or they have the power to do that, um, whether it's deliberately or, or not deliberately in their jobs or in their family or friendship or whatever it is area of life where they are, I guess, acting as a coach but not consciously aware of the power that they have to have influence over others and affect not only amazing change in other person's life but also that um, create that fulfillment and accomplishment and achievement in their souls having known that they've done something good for others. So how do we, how do we uh, I guess, um, get people to understand, you know, what it takes to be a coach and what would allow someone to adopt the role of a coach, whether or not they've studied it or not. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think first off, you have to have a good level of competence in learning and understanding. And this could be for anything, but whatever it is that you want to coach in or whatever it is that you are good at, you can look at it one of, one of two ways, right? You're either already good at something, so then your task then would be to figure out how to learn the art and science of coaching and then map that onto what you're already good at and then teach that kind of stuff, say. Or you can go the other way. You can be very, very good at the coaching aspect. You'd be naturally talented at conveying information and then you, you want to build up your skill set in those other areas to then be able to convey that information. Does that make sense? So. One way is you have the you have the aptitude for coaching, without the content that's necessary, or the other way is you have the natural skill set or whatever it is that you are doing, without necessarily the background behind coaching itself. Um, so that's how I would start with that, and it can be with anything. So like I said today, right? I have you know over the past few weeks read two to three books on wealth and money. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm reading what would, what, who we would classify as thought leaders or experts and professionals in their field. So I read um, a book called The Psychology of Wealth, uh, written by Charles Richards, who is a PhD. Um, he's a psychologist, and so he's the, he's the top of the field in this area, right? The psychology behind wealth and money and abundance in general in life. So now I can, with that and with the other stuff that I've read now, teach someone who has no idea about these things how to then begin to approach the arena of wealth and money generation. That's a, that's a simple example that I would say. Um, okay, so let's <laughs> let's, let's um, come up with more of a like a real world example. So let's say mm-hmm. let's say someone is is now a manager in the their job, their job role, their career. And, you know, if it's a good place to work and it's pretty stable, that means they've now got more power, they've got responsibility, um, not only over their, their own tasks and their own 
uh, you know, things that need to perform for the role, but also for the team beneath them. So in that position, um, I, I have come across a lot of people who are in those like higher, higher roles and positions in their career and in their job, and I guess it sort of seems like they're just sort of scraping by doing what they need to do, or it might just be the fact that they don't understand the, the true potential of the role they're in and what I mean by that is that by being a manager, you have a team of people that you need to, obviously, there's a whole bunch of things you need to do, but there's most likely you're going to need to, to teach them something, which in the best form, and the best way to do that is really to coach them on it. And it's at that process of un, like making that distinction where it's like, okay, well, I can actually coach my team on how to be, you know, perform at their best and be the best, you know, version of their employees so they hit their targets and whatever else and fulfill their role. But if a person is not aware of the fact that they have the power to do that or even aware of how coaching works, then they're sort of missing out on a lot of the potential that they have to be an effective leader, an effective manager, um, which is not only being a disservice to the employees, also to themselves because then they're going to miss out on fulfillment and, you know, progress and also to the, the business they're working in. So I guess my my tip there would be for anyone who's in a leadership role um, to definitely learn about the principles of coaching, what it means to be a coach, how to be an effective coach because not only are you going to be taking responsibility for that, but you're actually going to affect much um, bigger, you know, faster change. Yeah, you want to say something? Yeah, absolutely right. And the thing about people who are in leadership roles, you know, managers, executives, and so on and so forth, if, if you're a good manager of people, then you <clears throat> are going to expect of them and, t- and want people who are going to be self-sufficient in their own education and in their own growth. <clears throat> if you yourself expect that of others, meaning that you, you expect them to in some way coach themselves, and you're not doing it yourself, you're, number one, you're not setting the example as a, as a manager who takes the self-coaching process seriously, which will then lead to your people who you're trying to coach, trying to, trying to manage, be that much worse off. And it, yeah. it reflects directly back into your capacity as a manager to also be a coach to them. Exactly right. If you call yourself a leader and no one's following you, you're not a leader. You're just not. Yeah. It doesn't matter if your job title or your name tag says you are. Um, if you don't have a team of people following you and wanting to you know, copy the practices that you apply or be effective like you or think like you, then the fact is you're, you're leading no one, therefore you're not a leader. Um, much like you know, I, would not, you know, uh, I would not call myself an expert in any field if I didn't go out and practice that. And just by merely reading it doesn't make you an expert. It's much so I'm doing. So... So that's a bit more of a real-world example, but then breaking it down even, even further. So as we, we cleared up before, you don't need to be a university-qualified professional to act as a coach or perform the tasks and duties or responsibilities that a coach would do. So what I'm leading to is the fact that regardless of where you are, there is someone out there, whether that's a close friend um, a stranger, someone in your family, a colleague, um, any person who knows less than you do about a certain area or topic in life um, but wants to know more 
Therefore, you have the power to coach them on their ability to improve in that area or field of life. So I'll give you an example. Um, I'm not a chef. I'm not a cook. I've never worked in a commercial kitchen cooking food for anyone. But I've developed skills in sort of meal preparation, efficient ways of cooking so that I can very uh, cost-effectively prepare a lot of food for the week that tastes good, is quite nutritionally healthy, and it's got the right macro balance and whatever else through experience. I'm not qualified at all to teach it, but I can coach it to anyone who is, n- who is not performing how I am in that area of meal preparation nutrition. Yeah, precisely because you understand what goes what goes behind it. Correct. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly yeah, right. I've done it, and I've... I've I've got methods and a system behind it, which a lot of other people don't have. Therefore, gives me the power to be able to coach others on that who who don't have what I have. Yeah, I say that's right. And um, this thought just occurred to me um, that what's happening when you're doing that, right, is you're taking, say, the okay, let's take a professional chef, right? They have to know, say, a hundred percent of the skills that it takes to become the best possible chef that, that they can be, right? If we um, take Pareto's law seriously, right, you know, the 80-20 rule, that, that whole thing, then 20% of what that chef does is going to account for 80% of his results, more or less. And 80% is going to account for 20%. And what makes him a, a, a world, like your brother, right, a world-class chef is... Um, the 80% that he does. What you do as a person who does the, the meal prep stuff is you, you, you go, okay, I don't need to know the 80% that he's doing to become that level. I only need to know the 20% to make him proficient enough and I'm going to apply that to my life. And if you go the next level down, people that you teach, they only need to use 20% of what you're using to get 80% better at what they're doing. And I think it cascades down that way. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So <clears throat> pick out the top top 20. I mean, it's not an exact figure, but Whatever take the best from from those who are, you consider to be more experienced and knowledgeable um, than you are at something and apply it even only if it was 20% to yourself, that's going to improve 80% of what you do. Yeah, so pick yeah. the most, like the, the fewest variables that you need to change and yeah. learn from someone to enact the biggest change in your life. Yeah, it's very, very, very... Uh, practical way to do it so having started sort of at the top of the hierarchy from you know thought leaders and how they you know like you said basketball players and top coaches or whatever then we broke it down into um being a manager in a business or whatever leadership role doesn't matter what you're in if it could be a leadership in a sport or a club or whatever rowing club who knows broken it down now to pretty much anyone who could be you could be a stay-at-home mom but if you know if you know more about you know, uh, preparing a room for your for your children and doing efficient ways of washing, cleaning, cooking, so that you know all the foods prepped and prepared on the table by five pm, and da, 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 you can all relax and have family time. You have valuable knowledge that you can impart and, and deliver to someone else, and then applying coaching onto it makes it that whole lot more effective. Yeah. So let's break it down now. What makes an effective coach? Um, I know like we both have coaches, so we'll talk about our experience, but before we get to that, what are like the key things that would make um, a coach effective so that we don't get confused between a mentor telling someone what to do versus a coach 
um, guiding someone through techniques such as, um, you know, showing ways to do things and yeah. asking questions around that person understanding it. So based on your experience, what do you feel makes a coach a coach and then on top of that, an effective coach? Yeah. So I was telling you before about my um, restructuring of my programming for yep. my, my clients, right? So that was good. Yeah. So at the very, very beginning of that, I had the, the screening and the foundations phase that I had. And I did this with all, all my clients, right? So a good coach, number one, knows precisely to as, as finely grained as possible where their client is at right now and where they came from. Whereas a mentor doesn't necessarily have to know that. They just, they just kind of go with where the person is and where they, where they want to be in a yeah, somewhat pick, pick a topic way. and this is all I know about it type thing. That's exactly right. Yeah, whereas the coach says, cool, I'm going to know, like I'm going to take measurements to know precisely where you're at. You know, you're, for us, us as PCs, you, I'm going to know what you're reading, when you're sleeping, if, if, you, if you're a good PC, but when you're sleeping, your average levels of stress, um, you know, what, how you're training, how you've trained in the past, so on and so forth, right? Um, so that's a, a big... Okay. So we can say like key set one is establishing that connection between yourself and the other person, but also after that, um, making the effort to have a, a deep understanding of what makes up this person who is either in front of you or who you're connecting with in that moment. And an ongoing process as well. So yeah. the, the more that you do, the more that you interact with the person, the more that you uncover precisely where they're at and where they've come from. Yeah. And so that, that connection, gives you... Depth of yeah. understanding of the person. Yeah. And that'll then give you the um, foundation for the, the next step. The next step will be knowledge of how to get the person from where they are right now to where they want to be. Again, precise knowledge, right? Yeah. Um, comparing this to a mentor who would have, a, say, a rough understanding of what got them to where they are. Yeah. The coach knows these are evidence-based practices. These are anecdotal. I'm going to use the best of both to mm-hmm. get the person to where they need to be in a way that works based on past experience of coaches using these principles and then work for the clients. So I'd say that's the third thing that needs to be there. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And what I want to add to that is to really be an effective coach, having that in-depth knowledge of the person being coached is going to really allow you to give them the most effective next step that you can foresee and maybe they can't. Now, versus a mentor, who would probably rattle off the whole journey. Like if, if a mentor and a coach are talking about the same thing, a coach might say, okay, given the circumstances of where you are now, you know, what do you feel is going to be the most um, effective and wise step that you can make considering that this doesn't work and that doesn't work? So a coach really packages up your situation, delivers it to you in a consumable way and then asks you a question, asks questions around it so you can start to, in a practical sense, shift and shape what you're doing to find the next um, path of least resistance or apply a test. So deliberately apply a test to fail, to see what failed most versus what failed least, go with what failed least, and then it's kind of like this testing and stepping model. Yeah, exactly right. And at the end of the day, it's all about getting information. So that test is, is, a, is an inactive question in essence, right? It's 
where are you at right now? Let's yeah. find out. Let's test it. Let's test precisely right. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is a big key to it. Coaching is all about the right questions yeah. at the and right the, time. The most, the next most effective, almost um, relevant step. Yeah, exactly right. And yeah. in bite, like in, in consumable pieces. So an effective coach should be always aiming to decrease resistance and decrease overwhelm by allowing the person being coached just to see enough ahead to inspire um, immediate action. Yes. Whereas a mentor, I find if I listen to too many mentors too often, it's all amazing and then all of a sudden you get hit with this overwhelm because they, they, they talk about their journey and where they started and what happened and da 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 and it's all inspiring and motivating and then it hits you at some point that this journey has been 20 years and this is all that what they went through and you want the success that they have but it could still be another 5, 10, 20 years away based on their story. So whereas a coach will sort of avoid any sort of unnecessary um, you know, information beyond what's relevant right now. Yeah, exactly right. And if it is relevant to say this for 20 years, they'll, they'll say that. But if not, they won't. 100%. Yeah, yeah or they'll, they'll call you out. Like, it happens to me a fair bit. I'll say, look, um, reach out to my coach. This is where I'm at. This isn't making sense to me. I want to do this, but I'm not sure of it. And I'll say, look, that's a five-year strategy. Don't waste your time with it. That's a great idea. going to cost you a lot of money. This is very effective. Pump this right now. Yeah. And I'm like, bing, boom, bang, bingo, let's go. Done. And the other way around as well, where yeah. um, very often I, ha- I have to teach my clients that exercise and healthy lifestyle is for life. It's not for the next two months. Yeah. It's not for the wedding coming up that you want to fit into your you nice dress. Yeah. yeah, it's not for the wedding coming up that you want to freaking fit into your dress. And that's an, it's an amazing goal. Yeah. But it's not worth sacrificing middle to long-term health and success for, um, I learned a, a new word, what is expedient, what mm-hmm. is for, for the moment what I want in essence, right? It's cool. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's not worth that, right? And I say, look, cool, you want to lose 25 kilograms of body fat, you want to put on strength and all, do all this kind of stuff. They're all amazing, fantastic and very doable goals. But let's have a 25-year strategy, not a two-month strategy yep. because this is for life. And if people take their life seriously, again, as a coach, I find that I say, look, is the goal in physical training only to look good? If that is, then get on steroids. If the goal... Or whatever, yeah. Or whatever it is, right? Just do bodybuilding. Just do this, right? Yeah. And then you end up probably not getting the results that you want long-term. If your goal is to live a long and healthy life where when you're 80 or 90 or 100 years old, you move as well as you did when you were... Um, 40 or 20 which is you know if you're very very careful and you're very gifted obviously you can be at that level at least much better off than how people are at that elder age who don't train then let's take that into consideration let's not mess around with that as well so coaches leading this leading to my point coaches are also um, have to be as truthful as they can be with their clients and not lie as well, not even like use, not even useful fictions. 
to enact change because ultimately it's going to end up shooting you in the foot. This applies obviously to both coaches and to mentors. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly right. And especially with a coach, it's it's what what you know as a coach is nowhere near as important as how you're able to deliver it to the client in which uh, in in such a manner where they can interpret it and apply it to what's most relevant and important right now to take deliberate action in the right direction. That I think that really sums up um, coaching in there. So having said that, mm. um, obviously we, we both have coaches and we both have mentors. Some apply the same role, the same person. So what's been your you know, sort of top experience by having a coach, like even recently, we'll focus on recently. Yeah, what's sure. What's been your benefits of having a coach and a mentor in your life who's leading and guiding you forward? For me specifically, um, I wanted the coach to have someone to bounce ideas off. Um, adding to that, to manage my expectations as well. Because I have all these big ideas, you know, do this, do this, do this. But they say, look, mate, as you said before, five years, not enough, five years too long. You know, let's focus, shift all your attention to the most relevant things right now. And that stuff will happen towards the the back end of this process. So that's been a big one for me. And just to have the, the knowledge that, or my awareness that there is someone there who I can bounce ideas off is probably actually more valuable than actually bouncing ideas off them to me. That not it's not, not a safety net, it's that foundation or that person that I can go to to outsource my thinking and to channel that. To me, that's the most valuable thing that I've gotten out of it so far. 100%. How about for you? Yeah, for me, it's been quite profound. Um, I've got several mentors for different areas um, in my life and some of which also play a coaching role as well. So there's ones that you know mentor and give me information based on their experience and it's all very inspiring and, and moving. And then as well, um, having been coached, so for me, like the biggest things has been um, really getting my, like you said, your focus back into what's in front of you and focusing on what's most effective because what I find is once we develop a new habit or once I develop a new habit and we do something and it's working I tend to like um, get complacent with it and look for the next the next best thing but really that's counterproductive what I should be doing is what's the next best thing I can do for what's currently working to make that even better rather than like creating a system and it's working and then looking for the next one more so just being patient being focused and saying all right this is already working what can I do to, to turn this up 10x and make it even better and not get caught on these tangents of like, um, I guess, uh, ideas flowing in and this surge of creativity. Because when something works, when we, when we achieve something in our business or our life, we feel really good and it somewhat elates us. We feel you know, quite, um, quite good and, and you know, creative from it, which spurs on more ideas and maybe even a false sense of capacity to do things that we probably wouldn't do if we weren't feeling this way, which takes us away from what's right in front of us and what's actually working. And I guess we almost take take for granted what it is that we've created 
or what you know what I've created and to yes. just try to look for something that's better when really what I've got is already gold. How do I make it you know turn it into diamonds? You know what I mean? Like how do I make yeah. it even better? And that's what lately has been my biggest thing <clears> is just being able to reach out to my coach. Like literally, whenever I get stuck or something's not making sense or I can't see the forest from the trees, I reach out straight away. I do not hesitate. Every day, it doesn't matter if it's three times, five times a day, or if it's once a week, whenever things aren't, uh, it's foggy, reach out, boom, this isn't making sense, what do I do here, does this sound good, da 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 da, and then it just clears it up, fog disappears, forest, trees, okay, that, there's a part, just stay on it, stay on it. And there's times where I wake up in the morning, and it's like, I've woken up in the opposite end of the, of the world, and I'm completely off the planet, we don't know where I'm going, what I'm doing. And then that's where the coach can help get back on track. You know, remember what the focus is. What are you wanting to achieve here? You know, what's what's the immediate focus? What do you need to achieve every week to get to your goal? Well, this is what I need to do. Da, 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 da. Okay, yeah, get get to it. Get to work. Get to work. Yeah. So I really feel like for me, having um, all these coaches that help me in what I do, it it keeps me in the game of my life um, more uh, consistently and less time spent on the bench, you know, pondering and wondering and, you know, doing nothing, if that makes sense. So for me, it's yeah. been quite good. Yeah. Highly, highly recommend it. Yeah, and um, I relate to what you just said quite a bit. Um, so other thing that I've been really looking into is personality testing and personality, um, mm. like, profiling, right? Yep. Um, and I think that people like you and I, we're very high in openness as in we're open to new ideas, open to, to, to change and yep. to novelty. Um, so when, as you're saying, we develop that system, right, that works and we say, cool, next thing, next thing, next thing, I, I want to become better. I want to do it better. Um, that's where the coach comes in very handy because they come in and they complement our personality um, tendency of personality tendencies and rein us in to pick up the slack in our weak areas of our personality and of our habits. Yeah. yeah. That's it. I feel like when I'm, if I'm on track and I'm going off course, but I think I'm going in the right direction, the coach says, ah, no, 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 you, your, your path's over here. Yeah, yeah. You're focusing on 90 degrees right. You need to get back over here and keep moving in that direction because the faster you get to that direction, the more you'll you know, complete that full 360 and get the results you want. Um, so yeah. when you were talking, I, actually, I didn't have a thought of the day for this episode, but it just came to me. Um, and that is that pre the, or even during the industrial age, but more so pre-industrial age, most of the world was built on um, you know, master and apprentice in just about every field. So you only learnt... Um, your skills and profession through a master who was guiding you from a very young age to achieve that. Much like, um, you know, um, JC being a carpenter. Right. Yeah. So for, for most of, you know, humans' time spent on Earth, it's very much been the master and apprentice model. Now, from what I've observed um, on my short time on this big giant ball floating in an infinite of nothingness. Um, that's changed a lot. And especially now that we're in the... I think we were in the information age. I think we're now sort of post-information age. 
but we're still in it, but it's transitioning. To what? Good question. I don't know. <laughs> but uh, the right. information age sort of came about when, like, Google became massive and YouTube became massive, where, like, everyone had access to, like, yeah. well, information, internet, right? The internet blew up, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. That's, like, information age, whatever. Mm. I can't remember. Someone else came up with a new sort of age we're transitioning to. I just can't remember right now. Anyway, let's just use information age. Sure. Now, having said that, everyone has access to all this information, which previously someone would have had to teach, you know, like one-on-one delivered to them in some kind of master and apprentice setting. Now we can get all that same information without anyone telling us anything, and we can interpret it on our own, and it's up to us to reach out and, like you said, um, debate it or challenge it or get a second or third-party opinion. And this is where I'm just tying it back into coaching. So your ability to seek out and engage a coach is really you taking responsibility for that master and apprentice sort of setting, which has been around thousands of years. How we learn now is very, very young, like very new way of learning, a very modern way of learning, which lacks a lot of that integrity in which we would have had, um, you know, uh, hundreds of years ago. You know, for you to learn any craft, it's pretty much if the master's not there, you don't have the capacity to learn it. You know, if you were born on a farm, yeah, you're probably going to be a farmer. If you were, you know, if your father was a blacksmith or your uncle or whatever, you're probably going to be a blacksmith. Um, and likewise, yeah. there Whereas wasn't a lot of options. Whereas now, anyone can be just about anything. In essence, yeah. Yeah, but um, not everyone is applying those methods. And I, I really see like the master and apprentice is really coach and and client that's what it is so really now we know more explicitly that relationship and how to be a good master and a good apprentice as well yeah 100% so it's just just sort of changing the the I guess the context around what used to be master and apprentice is now sort of coach and coach and client so that, that was my thought that came I like that cool yeah. and as you were saying that I was looking up what the next age possibly is so okay. on Wikipedia they say that Quote, the imagination age is a theoretical period beyond the information age where creativity and imagination will become the primary creators of economic value. Yeah, well... This contrasts with the information age where analysis and thinking were the main activities. Cool. So things like virtual reality, user-created content, YouTube, these things are going to be what has changed... Um, oh, well, yeah. social structures and creates future economic growth and that makes actual total sense this is giving me big thoughts now the more yeah the more that we push towards um, universalizing and de- decentralizing avenues of information avenues of um, sorry areas of information areas of education ways of putting ourselves out into the world right we can influence that many more people and then it seems to me that the if you're looking at our hierarchy of coaching and influence, right? The people who are at the top, and if they want to, if they want to stay at the top, they need to become even more creative because now the internet and the smartphones and all that kind of stuff is giving the people who would not have had, have had access to those resources mm. access now to those resources, and the people who would be the most creative and the best at being a thought leader now have the opportunity to really channel that and really push that without needing to be right place, right time. Because right place, right time, I think, was very relevant back when we didn't have that much um, opportunity 
yeah. experienced people. Now that we have it, yeah, it's pretty much, much easier to pre, do. Pre Facebook and Instagram was all about that, you know, right place, right time. I'm not saying that doesn't still exist at Holly, it definitely does, but more so on the, the poignant of now this imagination age that we've just discovered on Wikipedia. <laughs> Incredible source. Which, yeah. <laughs> Very right. credible. Quote us, guys. Yeah. Quote us on this. Yeah, please do your research. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, yeah, no, that's giving me some big thoughts because on the other end of the spectrum, um, like how many jobs are going to be lost in the next 10, 20 years? Uh, millions. Probably a crap um, load, yeah. How many processes are already automated? Millions. Um, and, you know, mm-hmm. much like what Gary Vee talks about is being able to literally do your shopping and request things verbally whilst you're doing other things. so Yeah, you're going you know, to talk, talk to your house and it'll order your, your food for you. Exactly. That's yeah. not far away. That's probably already... We're not far away from that at all. Well, my, my <laughs> phone can do that. All I've got to do yeah. is connect my phone to my speaker system. Yeah, exactly right. You say, call this person. But that's... Like, it's already happening. It's yeah. just going to scale up from there. And like Amazon being able to provide services all around the world, automatically shipping. Like, yeah. So, it's really coming... Like, if you come up with an awesome idea for distribution, you're going to have to trump all of that. Amazon's been around for what almost over twenty years now, yeah. And now it's the, the leader in, in the world for whatever they do exactly. Um, just heaps of things. I can't even define it in one sentence. Um, to, to be the best of that, you're going to have to trump Amazon, and good luck to you. But if you have, if you're able to imagine the possibilities, and it might be really imagining us, our purpose as, as humans, and what we do, and how we want to live, can really alter how all the infrastructure that is already there. Um, integrates with our progression of societies as human beings. So I really see the inf- this alleged um, information age as being a time where people really need to um, get creative and see a lot further into the future. Whereas mm. I feel the last 100 years, it's like, oh, you know, horses are pretty slow. Oh, let's come up with a horse and cart so, to carry more load or whatever. Yeah, or, so hang on, the- this is pretty slow. Um, and maybe we can add more to it or do it with lighter material. Oh, hang on. Um, someone just created an explosion, let's make an engine, let's make a car. It's very much like next step. Because I feel like this imagination age, you need, you need to go like... More of a quantum leap. Yes. Like, like be like, look... Jumping in stages versus like increments. Yeah, we look at the exponential growth we've had just in every single industry um, and area of, of life in the last 100 years. It's ridiculous. Um, and that's in a very, very, very short amount of time considering the complete you know lifespan of humans on the earth. So yeah. for yeah. for thought leaders to really be effective, they're going to have to be thinking like beyond beyond. Yeah, and that's what um, I've been, yeah, and that's what I've been really trying to push with like Elon Musk style. Yeah, yeah, and I've been really pushing that with my thinking. And when I speak to other PTs and coaches and um, yeah, that sort, like I say, are you thinking about the next one year? If you are. Need decent start, but to me, it's, it not, be, enough. it's not good enough. To me, it's, it's not good enough. Yeah, it's I'd not, say, it should, always, it yeah, should always be, yeah. Yeah, the real visionaries, um, from my understanding, they think. I was listening to a podcast yesterday, right? Dude was, sorry, podcast or a YouTube video. Dude was saying that um, when they built medieval and gothic, um, sorry, gothic cathedrals, mm. that was a 300 year project. <laughs> So the architects and the people who, you know, thought it up said, dude, I'm not going to be alive when a third of this, sorry, back then they died at like freaking 50 years old. I'm not going to be alive for like a sixth of this thing's completion. Mm. Yet they think that that far ahead. And I think that to be successful in... Well, these cathedrals are still around. Exactly right. And they're going to to increase in value and um, beauty 
yeah. and um, just economic value to a country yeah. as they get older and older. Yeah. Um, exactly right. And um, I think that in order to be ahead of the curve and to flourish in the information transitioning into the, so, the supposed imagination age, a person has to think, how am I going to change the world for 10,000 years, 100,000 years? What impact will I have right now and my life that's going to literally alter the course of, of human history, at least in my own way, in my country, for my family, or for humanity at large? And that scale of thinking yep. forces creativity, forces imagination, forces productivity, and forces us to really touch many, many people. But that's what thought leaders do. Thought leaders don't sit there and say, oh, I want to think about my groceries for tomorrow. They think, no, how the hell am I going to make my country better overall? Yeah, exactly right. And it's, it's not to say that, like, if we use Elon Musk for an example and his amazing advancements in what's happened recently, which is really nothing in the grand scheme of things. I mean, if you think of where he's going with mm. Tesla, with SpaceX, um, the recent achievement was just like, okay, sweet, they've, they've done this, which is going to lead to the next step, which means calling on Mars. Like, there is no, no dispute there is going to be, in our lifetime, uh, people born on Mars, growing up and living on Mars, and Earth will be like a travel destination or, or vice versa. Yeah. 100%. I see it happening. Going to happen, right? <laughs> so for Elon, it's just like, yeah, amazing. Like, I don't know, maybe it's like this, but it could be. Whereas like he just goes about his day and does what he does, lives like a human, but because he's so forward-thinking, he's able to affect change in what he's established to keep moving closer to that. Yeah, but it doesn't mean he lives some Harry Potter lifestyle. Like he probably gets up in the morning, has a coffee, reads a book. Of course, you know, does goes to the gym. He still has to go to the bathroom. Yeah, he's still got to do a shit. You he, know? That's that's who he is. But he's <laughs> yeah. he <laughs> he probably craps like diamonds, but whatever. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> um, but. I just wanted to add a thing to that. So check, 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 yeah. check this, right? Check it. Um, the idea that, as you said, what Elon Musk is doing, right, is spectacular compared to the average Joe, say, but in the grand scheme of things, it's not that impressive to me, right? Think of it this way. You're going to have to really justify this. Hey? You're going to have to justify this one pretty good. I have to justify it. Yeah, easy. <laughs> Big time. You just said that Elon, I'm not impressed by Elon Very Musk. easily do it because I know human <laughs> history. Okay. So, um, I want you to, let's say I wanted to ask you to calculate for me. Sorry. How do we get to the moon? How do we get there? How do we get there? Like what, we have every to... single step along the way, right? Oh. Geez. Ultimately, yeah. It's big, isn't it? Yeah. Ultimately, it involves mathematics. Well, yes. Purely and simply, right? We have to calculate all this kind of stuff, right? But there was one stage in human history where we did not know that mathematics was what we could use as a tool to do these things. We take that for granted very heavily, I think. That mm -hmm. at one point in time, we, we, ah, did, yeah. we had no idea. I see where you're going with this. That yeah. arithmetic, right? Yes. That differentiation calculus. We learned this shit in school, and we people who... In my opinion, people who are stupid, and I mean this literally, they don't think about this enough. They say, why the hell do I have to learn trigonometry or calculus, right? Mm -hmm. They don't realize that, no, what you're actually learning is not just calculus. You're learning about the very language of the universe itself, literally, mm -hmm. the, the laws of nature 
can be mathematically um, described. Okay. We, we didn't know that a while ago. Yeah. Think of how much we've, we've progressed from that, right? And we think about, for example, um, still using the same tools. The exact same. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but now we have that much more precision and we couldn't get to the moon without mathematics, right? And this is why I said that Musk, what he's doing is very impressive, but to me, nothing compared to what has come before. Because think about the, invent, the discovery that mathematics can do that for us. And that was, some say it was Pythagoras yeah. who discovered that. He was the one who discovered... Well, even the discovery that the, the Earth was actually round. All that. All that That's kind of huge. Stuff. That's for massive. For whoever massive. was alive at that time. Exactly right. Like yeah. the, to the point where they wanted to kill the person who came up with it. I think yeah. maybe they did kill him. Um, maybe. Tried to. Who left his round? Oh, we've known that for quite a while. Um, yeah, but when the, but, when the guy actually came out and said, the guys, look, um, um, I hate to break it to you, but the earth is actually round and it's not flat. So I think there was a big drama. Yep. I believe it was... Whereas now we sort of embrace a lot of these advancements, like going to Mars and whatever else. This yep, has been a yep. massive thought of the day set. This is, yeah, this this is, is like good. thought of the I year. Like this. I think it was it. I think it was... Um, Guy by the name of Giordano Bruno. Yeah. He was burned at the stake. Oh, yes. I believe because... I saw a story on this. He was trying to... He said, look, no. The earth is not fucking flat. <laughs> um, and yeah. I don't think it was actually... It wasn't... I don't think it was religiously motivated to burn him, though. I think it was some political agenda. Because apparently Probably. many of the people in the church believe that it was also round as well. There are only a few yeah. who are like politically bent who... More of a power thing, yeah. It was a power and leverage, exactly right. Yeah. So yeah, that's why I'm. I think that we have to take our thinking to the level of a of a Pythagoras. Yeah. In dis, discovering that the world is governed by mathematical law, yeah. to then really then have that next push. So the the imagination age is going to be one where we have people who magnify their thinking to that level, to then be able to draw those connections which we have never seen before. And that is what a, a, a genius does, purely and simply. Yeah, 100%. And it's not to say that, it, oh, okay, whoever's listening to this, oh, you have to start thinking like Elon Musk. Like, these, these are tools that are available to us to pick up at any time and start applying. Like, you can think as long-term, as short-term, as medium-term in the past as much as you like. Um, but in the process of us talking about this, we're just potentially maybe uncovering perspectives and foresight that you um, did not have. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and that, like you said, like uh, the fact that um, Elon's doing all this, if it wasn't Elon, it would be someone else. It would be maybe NASA or, I don't know, like the Russian people doing their spacecrafts. Yeah. I mean, Again, I'm not, he's not, just human. Well, it's just natural progression. Yeah. Like Charles, uh, was it Charles Darwin or something? Yeah. Came up with his theory of... Um, natural natural survival, selection. Natural yeah, selection right. or survival of the fittest. Right. Um, it still applies. I mean, I know that that theory has probably been ripped apart and smashed on its head a few times, but yes. the fact is, um, you know, human beings being, I don't know, the smartest beings on the earth, we're still moving forward and we're going to keep surviving, but it'll really be um, over the long term... Um, that whoever survives will be on that journey. You know, if, if Mars is the next destination, then that's where people are going to be. And at some point, the Earth will become inferior. Yeah. Although I hate, I, I find that hard to believe because um, Mars is full of red dust and you can't breathe there, and it doesn't look yeah. all too exciting. Yeah, and it's not going. We're not going to fix the problem because but if you're born on Mars, you don't know any different. Exactly right. You're going to think this is cool. I have 
I'm <laughs> born in a desert, one big ball of desert. If you're right, it's like, ooh, this is... Nice. And if I take my helmet Mad off, Max. I'm going to die. <laughs> yeah, Mad Max stuff. Yeah, exactly, you're right. And to tie this all into to coaching, right? Yes. Um, Bring it back together. Yeah, so... I'll, We're just talking massive detour. That's fine. Um, I'll, I'll, cool. I'll be and I'll be the coach for the person in the in the imagination age, right? Okay. You don't have to think like Elon Musk right now, or ever. But what I would urge and recommend is before you try and innovate, first master what the best are doing well right now, in terms of thought. Mm. Don't just try and innovate because. 99 times out of 100 or probably like out of a 1,000, right? You're not going to have a, a, a really new idea because if you thought of it, probably you've had 100,000 people also think of that thing as well. Or you've been influenced by someone who's done it. All that kind of stuff, yeah. Yep. So what I think that the best way to have innovation is to whatever field it is that you want to innovate in, right? First, master that craft as much as you possibly can until you get the results that the experts get, then figure out why that works. Then, after you've done that, you can then begin to innovate. And that's where true innovation comes out. Because mm-hmm. then once you have, once, there's, once you've exhausted the potential for learning in a given area, right? Then when you begin to apply creativity, it has to be new. That's how I see it personally. Yep. No, I, I yeah. agree. I and agree. everyone goes, people tend to go the other way around. They go, no, I want to innovate first. Then if that doesn't work, I'm going to try and master the craft and then figure out why it works. Yeah, you, you really need to pick up on what's available right now. And if yep. that means you have to get to that point or develop it, um, yeah, it's, a, it's sort of hard to innovate stuff that you are not you haven't really developed yourself or have any foundation on. So. And that's, it happens very often. Yeah. Exactly right. And people, I, I don't want people to um, trick themselves in that area as well. It's all about being truthful. This is why you need a coach. This is why you need a coach. Yeah, and a good coach will help you think further ahead but keep you acting in the moment. So you really want to be acting now for the future. Always. We are future-oriented beings. That's what it's all about. Exactly right. Nice, man. I like it. All right, let's wrap it up. it all up. Yeah, that was a huge, huge tangent on the thought, but I really enjoyed that. So It could have been a podcast by itself. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, it by itself. So if you've hung on there and you've listened to this whole thing, I congratulate you and um, commend you for doing so. Hey, I don't, so I think that you, you were privileged to hear that. <laughs> True. Likewise, good yeah. thing. But yeah, yeah, yeah I hope we've, we've given you some good value there and some new uh, perspective on all kinds of things, specifically right. coaching and the, the possibilities of coaching and being coached. 100%. Awesome. Um, yep. Once again, if you are interested in um, you know, getting a shout out on the show, please send us through any questions or topics that you would like us to discuss further on. And likewise, be sure to follow us on iTunes Podcast, SoundCloud, and Facebook, which we are most prevalent on. Yes. Anything else you want to add before we wrap it up? Get a coach. Get a coach. It's the best thing that you can do for yourself. Any and any area in your life that you want to improve, first know that you can improve it. People have done it before. Find those people. Yeah, exactly right. That's it. You know, best example if you're going to go to if you're going to travel somewhere, say Sydney to Queensland, and you've got a push bike, um, the coach might just be the Ferrari or the aeroplane, or the coach just, just might be a bus or a bus. A coach. Yes. 
There you go. I like that. Pun of the day. Yes. Take the coach. Done. Not the bushwhack. <laughs> Ciao for now.